Oh my goodness. Um, uh, thank y'all for the prayers and 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 uh, you know I was talking to Meredith. <laughs> I was like, I bet you're glad to be home too. Good gracious, uh, and the family and and uh, it's good home. You know, I I uh, I last night we when we drove back into to Whitesburg. I know I've shared with you guys. I've always been a Lord of the Rings fan, and re- I always say I read the books. I read part of the books, didn't finish them, but. Uh, read 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 most of the books and watched the movies and and I you know I love that moment when when they come back to the Shire you know and just and that's what it felt like last night I was like oh it's just so nice uh, to be home and I know this isn't our home and and uh, I, I know we got a heavenly home and I'm looking forward to that one day but oh it is good to to be I am wired for the South I know that um, yeah. 24 hours of daylight, you can keep that and all that good stuff. Anyway, um, I'll, I'll, I'll share some of just our experiences. It ties into the to the message today a little bit, but uh, I love y'all. Just We've missed you guys a lot and very, very thankful to, to be back home. Um, let's pray. God, uh, thank you for this morning as we gather. And uh, Lord, as we continue on this journey uh, through the Old Testament and digging into the prophets right here, and, and God, all of this just continually pointing to Jesus, Lord. And I, I just pray as your people, as a people who, who love you, God, um, as Jason was saying in his communion meditation, God, that we're just, we have to surrender. Lord, the, the, the more we see the chaos in the world and the confusion in the culture and the, and the division, and God, we have to come to the end of ourself um, and truly allow you to be the Lord of our life and do things your way, God, the true way. Lord, so help us to do that. Help us to, to seek you, to seek truth, to love, to lead with love, God, and what that means and what that looks like. Lord, to, to be disciples of Jesus, God, and to, to fulfill this, this mission, this calling that you've given to each one of us, Lord. So let us just learn today from this story from 1 Kings and, and be able to apply it and, and kind of examine ourselves, God, look at ourselves, and uh, see what we need to, to lay down at the altar. God, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, just to recap, I try to do this every once in a while. Uh, we try to go back and like, hey, where have we been? Where are we? Where are we going? Um, that God, God created everything, right? And it was good, and we sinned. All right. Oh, uh, it, that's how it goes, right? This is what just keeps happening, right? That's the storyline. That's the thread we're on. And uh, we, we get into this part, uh, these prophets, and we're about to, to really dig into that. And what has happened in Israel is the, the kingdom is splitting, all right? So there was this, this one nation people, and they, they've been going along, and they had some pretty good kings. And, and, uh, and of all things, it's really about taxes. This is all going to sound really familiar today, by the way. <laughs> Because um, we're all the same. We're all the same. Oh my goodness. Uh, so Rehoboam's the king uh, of the south, and Jeroboam's the king of the, the north, and, and the people want their taxes reduced. And he's like, Haha, I'll show you. I'm going to raise them, you know? And so there's this division that ends up happening. And, and so there's the northern and southern kingdoms. Um, and uh, we, you know, we know the Davidic line of Jesus comes out of Judah, the southern kingdom. And so Israel's the northern kingdom. And so we get these kings and these prophets and just all these stories that, that we're going to be embarking on. And, and if you've been reading along with us, I know you're, 
you're digging into some of that. And uh, we're going to lock in um, First Kings today and, and talk about Elijah a little bit. But uh, who are these prophets? You know, they, they, these people are, are uh, we, we read through the Psalms, right? And it's, it's us talking to God and crying out to God and talking about things to God. And, and the prophets are, are the guys that uh, God uses to speak through. And so he's, he's revealing his nature and attributes to people through these prophets. And they make the lo- known the laws and the ways of God. And they call people back to obedience and sincerity and worship. And they warn people of uh, divine judgment. Uh, from sin, and they tell people about what's coming and the future. And, and so they're a big deal. Um, we have the major and minor prophets, and I know uh, Peyton hit on that a little bit last week. And uh, I thank you, Lyndon, for putting stuff. I was able to listen to the sermons, and, and that was cool. Uh, just kind of kept us connected a little bit. So uh, that was good. Uh, online. But anyway, they're a big deal, you know. And, and, uh, and they're a big deal because they... they they ultimately are pointing to Jesus, you know? And, and so we're going to see that as we, as we read through here. And, and I know it's easy, and I've done it, man. It's easy to like, hey, the New Testament, we're in the New Covenant. We don't, the Old Testament, we don't have to read that. That's the Old Covenant. We're not bound by that. Yeah, but it's the, it's the story, right? It's the story of God. It's the story pointing to Jesus. And, and even if we were to, to ask Jesus what he says about himself, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures, Second Peter uh, 1, 20 through 21, it says, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Second Timothy three sixteen: all scripture is God is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Um, and at that time when that was penned, I mean, the old Testament was the only thing in, in place. Um, and so in Acts 3.21, it says, Whom heaven must receive until the time of restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. So we have all this stuff going on in the Old Testament. That's why we're reading through the Bible. Like, it, it is important. Uh, there's so many lessons to learn. And I hope, again, with us taking this 30,000 view... Um, I, I hope it's helping you line up some of your viewpoints and your opinions and, and those kinds of things that ultimately we really need to die to and, and surrender to what God thinks. But even in that, I know sometimes we don't always agree, right? Uh, trying to figure scripture out and trying to, to work through those things. But God, man, <laughs> God doesn't just know what's coming. Uh, like he's planned for it. He doesn't just know history. He makes it um, the second half of Isaiah 46, verse 10, it says, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. He shapes the world. He makes the future. That's the God uh, that we see. It doesn't matter the craziness uh, that's going on in the world. God holds all things together. And I've seen crazy over the last 18 days. Let me just tell you. Uh, I've seen some really interesting things. Oh. Mm. I don't even know what to say. It's good to be home. Let me say that again. <laughs> it's good to be home. I, you know, yeah, there's a lot going on. There's always a lot going on. Goodness. But God holds all things together, and he is working all things out. You know, and I, I just kept having this thought um, the whole time. You know, at, <laughs> at the end of the day, we're either going to breathe our last or the trumpet's going to sound, and we're going to find out. You know, we're going to find out. And... uh 
So we're just following this story, this timeline, to get to Jesus. And even though the Old Testament's tough, and there's some tough stories in there, and some difficult passages and things that are difficult to understand and process, it's still, it's pointing to Jesus. And he even says, Luke 24, 27, as one of my favorite stories, they're on the road to Emmaus, there's a couple of his disciples, and Jesus just shows up, right? And they don't recognize him, and, and so they're talking to him, they're engaging with him. In verse 27 of, of chapter 24 there, it says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And further on down in the chapter in verse 44, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, which is the first five books, right, the Pentateuch, and the prophets, and the Psalms. There you go. He covered it. <laughs> All right? So the Old Testament is important because there are things written about Jesus. And so we want to know it. We want to study it. We want to read it, uh, again, even though it's difficult. But today we're going to zoom in on the story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Um, and just going to draw out some truth. And I, I hope it's abundantly apparent, the correlation with where we're at today. And again, I, I believe just because people are people, there's people, we're people, we're messy, we sin, you know, we, we kind of fall to the same stuff, we're the same, I mean, it looks different, and plays out a little different, but, uh, you know, nothing's new under the sun, right? <laughs> uh, it, it just continues, but we're going we're gonna to zoom in on this, this story in, in 1 Kings, and what uh, we have happening, it's, it's about Baal and Elijah, and uh, Elijah's got a pretty good resume, right? I mean, he, got to, he showed up at the Mount of Transfiguration uh, in the New Testament, and uh, he gets to ride on a cloud to heaven and, and raise people from the dead. And he gets to speak on pretty cool guy. He's got some uh, really neat stories attached to him. Uh, but this is, I think this is my favorite, honestly. Uh, I really do love it. And so what, what we have unfolding here, we got this king. His name is Ahab. And he's not a very good king. Uh, kind of a bad guy. But he is nothing compared to his lady. All right. She's, she's a little bit... Man, I don't know. She's a mess, man. Her name's Jezebel. You've probably heard that name before uh, because she's so wicked <laughs> uh, that she's very well known, uh, kind of the wicked witch of the West type, type mentality. Uh, very, very evil. And so there's all this tension and, and stress going on because this Baal worship, this idol worship has begun uh, to be amongst the people. And, and it's kind of a weird thing uh, because God was still in the picture and there's Baal and and they started, they started worshiping Baal because he was the provider of rain. I don't know where they came up with that, but he was the provider of rain. And so they wanted good crops and economic prosperity. And so they would, they would do the Baal stuff over here. And, and uh, he was attached to the, uh, the fertility. There's a fertility guy. They call it the Baals because there's multiple. It gets into a big, crazy mess. But it's all Baal worship. And it's ironic that, he, that like, there was a fertility thing attached because they sacrificed babies um, back then, and, and uh, just, man, there's just so much going on. And uh, everyone didn't just worship Baal, right? Again, it just, it's, it's like they were straddling the fence. You ever been there? It's not a very comfortable position. That's what they were doing. When they needed the stuff that Baal was about, they would go worship Baal. But, oh, now today I need God. And they would, they would kind of, it's kind of like, hey, I'm going I'm to call myself a Christian and I'm not going to really take a stance over here because I, you know, I want to, want to be culturally acceptable. And I, yeah, you know, we just wrestle through this stuff. And it was going on, and uh, Jezebel was doing terrible things. Uh, she was just mean, man, mean. Um, but she had all the prophets 
hiding out in caves, living on bread and water, and and uh, and so that's kind of where we're at in this story. And we're gonna we're gonna jump in. It's First Kings eighteen, and we're just gonna read the rest of that chapter, seventeen through forty, and just gonna talk about uh, some different parts of it. So uh, so what what is transpiring right here in this moment is since Baal's the god of rain, God's like, all right, drought. It's kind of what he did in Egypt, right? There's a God, and, okay, I'm going to refute your God with this plague and, and kind of just this battle that goes on. So, the, But the theology, you know, the wisdom of people when things like that happen, it's like you're trying to assess and figure out, and it's like, all right, so is God like mad at us and he wants us to stop Baal worship? Or, you know, and again, I hope you hear because this is what's happening in our culture. Like, people just come up with these ideas, and they just throw them out there, and they, they try to make them sound Christian, you know? And it's like, does God want me to do this, or does God want me to do this, you know? And, and it, it just boils down to this lack of surrender and lack of, of really wanting to seek God's wisdom and His truth on things. But it was kind of this mentality and this idea of, like, maybe it's Elijah. He's the one speaking out about this. So if we kill Elijah, God's going to be happy, and then the rain will come, you know, instead of hey, let's just stop worshiping Baal. And so just kind of just this back and forth thing. So we have Ahab, and uh, in verse 17, it says, when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is it you, you troubler of Israel? You know, he's calling him out. And, and uh, kind of that thorn in the flesh guy, like I'm trying to rule and you're being, uh. and he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have and your father's house because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel. And the 450, listen to all these prophets, 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. That's a big old table. So she had all these, they had all these, yeah, just crazy uh, what's going on here. And, and I don't know, you know, about you when you think about this Old Testament stuff. And, and again, you know, like, I don't know what you're picturing. <laughs> People are painted up and there's blood splattered there. I don't know what you're, what you're kind of picturing there. And I don't really know what it looked like. But I imagine there's some of all that going on because it was just a weird time. So Ahab, Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? And here's what we're talking about, you know, and, and this morning as we begin to tie this into our lives and this kind of the so what thing, it's what is our idols? You know, what are we worshiping? What are we, what are we keeping? Like, hey, I'm over here with God, but like, I want to just hang on to this thing, you know, uh, that's keeping us from, from full on surrendering and following God. What is it that we're limping back and forth between? And so, and, and he goes on, he's like, if the Lord is God, then follow him. Right? It's that simple. If God's God, man, like, then follow him. Right? But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two, two bulls be given to us. And let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood. But put no fire to it, and I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, 
he is God. And all that people finally answered. I got something to say now. Oh, okay. Uh, it is well spoken. Let's do that. And so then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, you choose, man. I'm going to give you first choice. Uh, so choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first. For you are many and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given them and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Oh, Baal, answer us. Shocker, there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar <laughs> that they had made. I, I was reading about that a little bit, and it, it definitely could take on a kind of uh, just dancing around the altar uh, kind of thing that was going on. And at, and at noon, I love this moment. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Ah, you know, cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is musing or he's relieving himself. <laughs> he'd gone to the bathroom. Or he's on a journey. Maybe he's traveling this time of year. It's nice, you know, in Alaska in the summer. Or perhaps he's asleep and must be wakened. And they cried aloud. And then we start get starting to see really some, some they begin to cut themselves after their, after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, the final prayer. But there was no voice. No one answered, and no one paid attention. Mm. Then <laughs> Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. And all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two seahs of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, Fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. I was, I was reading about it. Like, this isn't some little, like, hey, go, go over here to the creek. I mean, they're up on a mountainside, and the water's pretty far away, actually. Um, so even to do this um, is, is a feat. And so fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. And I want, to, like, I want you to see what's happening here. He is making it impossible. Impossible. It's impossible. For this thing to be lit on fire, for this thing to burn, it's impossible. And I love that we serve a God that makes possible the impossible. It says, At the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. We're going to pause right here a minute, because there's a lot of things happening in our country. There's a lot of opinions being thrown around right now from Christians from godly people, and they're not following God. They're not. It doesn't line up with the Word of God. It doesn't. We're not surrendered. We got our idea, our, our own wisdom, and, and there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, and, and, man, Elijah is not getting anything right here for himself. This isn't about him. It's about bringing glory to God, and we talk about this all the time. I want to be on God's side. I want to be on God's side. I want to choose God. 
I'm going to seek God. And he's here like, hey, I'm doing this at your word. He didn't just wake up one day and be like, hey, you know what would be a good idea today? I might have a, a boxing match ministry between Baal and God. Let's be awesome, man. I'm just going to call everybody in and make fun of the other people. And, and man, I'm going to show them. And when I cry out to God and I pray hard enough, he's going to just send fire down. No, that's not what happened. It was at God's word, man. God gave him the task to do. And, and, and we, I talk about this a lot. Like it, It's one of those like, hey, I'm just going to go out here and I'm going to work for the Lord instead of letting God lead me into. It's a very big difference, right? I, I, I talk like, you know, we want to share the gospel with everybody, but everybody doesn't want to hear the gospel. That's sad and it breaks my heart, but it's true. And you can beat your head against a brick wall if you want to. Or you can be spending time with God and be in relationship with God that you're so in tune that you're going to see where God is working and respond. He's going to lead you into things. He's going to open doors. He does it all the time. He's going to create relationship. It's awesome. One of the coolest things of the trip that we just, you know, we saw this amazing stuff. In the middle of the trip, uh, we stayed at an elder. Uh, he's an elder at a church. His name's Bill. Uh, out in Oregon, and him and his wife, uh, they live out there. And, and I met Bill, and I may have shared some of this story before. We were sitting in a large room, and uh, I turned around, and it was really one of the, it was a God moment, I'm telling you. Uh, I turned around, and it was like everybody was black and white, and Bill was in color. That's what it looked like to me almost. That's the guy I need to go play this silly little game with. And the crazy thing was, the same thing happened to him. was a glow around your face. And I was like, that's so crazy. And so we ended up sitting down and talking and playing this silly little game. Got having a three and a half hour conversation later that day. And then my family got to stay at his house. And it was so encouraging because we were in the land of godlessness. Let me just go ahead and tell you. I, I loved it when I saw a little, you know, fish emblem on a car. I'm like, oh, yes, there's someone else that at least maybe loves Jesus. I hope maybe they just put the sticker on there. I don't know. And it was so encouraging. It was so good. And we sat up one night and just talked about all that the Lord's doing. And, and just, oh, man, it was just good. You know, God is working. And if we'll surrender and follow him, man, our work's not going to be in vain. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't mean that everybody just responds or you're going to have an Elijah moment where fire comes out. That'd be kind of cool, but probably not going to happen for you, right? You're probably not Moses, but you have influence and God has a plan and he has you on mission and all that stuff sounds crazy or neat, but isn't it just enough to love your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor? That's what Jesus said as yourself. And then if, if you were just open to what God had for you, and, and you end up sharing the gospel with just one person, and you rescue them out of hell because you were obedient to God, you don't have to deliver the people of God from Egypt. There's eternal things at stake. And we just miss it because we're walking to our own beat and we got our own agenda and we kind of tagline Christian in there a little bit. And God's like, no, do this my way and it will be right. And I will use you in a powerful way to impact people. And he will. And again, it might not be on some grand stage and that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. 
You have the potential to change an entire legacy for generations of people in one person. In one person. It's enough. Be obedient. Answer me, O Lord, answer me. This people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their and, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell. Woo! Mm. And consumed the, per, the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust. I don't even know what that means. And licked up the water that was in the trench. Woo! Man, okay, so out, out there in the Pacific Northwest, man, they've been ravaged by wildfires. And we saw the effects of that and the damage of that. But there's remnants. There were no remnants. It was crazy, crazy. Whew. I bet people's eyebrows were gone. I bet that was a cool, like, all the prophets, the 450, just eyebrowless. I bet that's really what happened. I don't know why I got it and put that in there, because I believe that probably happened. And when all the people saw it, man, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And Elijah said to them, and man, it ends tough, man. This is tough. This is tough for a culture of people that, like, we're so far removed from this. And, like, th these, these little places right here are very difficult for me. Seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishon and slaughtered them there. Wiped them out. What a moment, man. What a moment. I'm reminded you know, I, I just, Shay and I had several conversations about this, just the things we were seeing and the things people were saying and just, you know, and again, it just was like, ugh. And you want to respond and you want to fight and you want to quarrel and you want to defend God. He's God. I don't, I don't have to defend him. I have to follow. And I have to do what he asked me to do. And we were... We were just wrestling with that question, like, what do you do? What do we say? How do we? And I really, you know, I'm not, this, this isn't just some, like, I really think the answer is in discipleship. I'm not just saying, I mean, I believe that with all my heart. It's, it's helping one person grow to maturity that can help one person grow to maturity that can share the gospel and change a family legacy. And because when you take a step back and you look at the whole world, it's kind of like viewing world hunger. How in the world do I solve world hunger? Are you kidding me? Feed a kid. That, that, that's how you solve it. You feed a kid. You put a well in a town. That's what you do. Someone started World Vision. Someone, there's some other ones. I can't remember all the name of them right now. Compassion International. There's, there's others. Someone got called to do that ministry. Feed a kid. You're not going to end world hunger, but you can end world hunger for that kid, right? You're not going to change the United States because they have views on this or that that go against God. But you can invest in somebody. You can love somebody in a way that they're like, this doesn't even make sense. Because <laughs> it doesn't when we follow Jesus. That kind of love doesn't make sense to the world. And some of them are going to hate you for it. They're going to hate you for it. But somebody's seeking right now. Somebody's looking. 
And we need to show them the gospel and share the gospel and, and, and help lead them to Jesus or help them to grow in their maturity. Then God brought the rain, man. He brought the rain because he is the provider. So we have these people who are just shifting back and forth, can't make up their mind. One day it's Baal, one day it's God. And they end up straddling the fence, which does no good. You know, there's a passage in the New Testament that talks about being lukewarm and some pretty gross stuff. Worshiping these little gods is always going to lead to destruction, you know. And I don't know what it is for you. I don't know as you're, as you're thinking through that, like, hey, what is, what is my idol? What do I... What do I worship? What do I cling to? It's, it could be money, material possessions, substances, relationships, accomplishments, identity, politics, patriotism. Uh, there can be so many things there uh, that we just cling to and that we, um, it, I, you know, I was thinking about this and, and someone had said, you know, it, it's that thing that we end up naturally defending that kind of begins to, re- you know, I, I share this a lot like, hey, if you'll just pay attention to your speech, that's a really good indicator of where your heart really is. It is. So on this trip, uh, I had a night, uh, my family had gone to bed where I just lost it. <laughs> uh, 18 days is a long time. I don't know if you know that, it's a long time. Um, and, uh, you know, things didn't always go according to plan. And I really wish we'd have taken a picture where everyone's crying and mad and red-faced and, and put that on Facebook and be like, hey, <laughs> here's what happens in the middle of this, really. It's not all, you know, snow and mountaintops and waterfalls. Um, but I, I just, I had a moment and I, I, I was like, I was really struggling and I'm like, God, here I'm getting to like, this is an incredible moment. I'm so thankful for it. And here I'm just angry. And, and uh, you know, Shay hated me. And um, why are you doing this to our family? She didn't say that. That's what she wanted to say. Um, and, uh, you know, I was like, we got to go see the next thing. Suck it up. Because I had a plan. So I got up that morning, I just went for a drive, and I was like, God, I'm such an idiot. Like, I need your wisdom. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Like, but whatever I got planned, I'm done with. So I'm just going to sit in this car until you tell me what to do. And he did, and it worked, and it was a blessing. <laughs> so um, I just, we, we, we want to, to put all kinds of things out there, and we end up defending, you know, and I found myself, again, I know it's silly, but I found myself defending my agenda or my plan or, or whatever it is, you know? I mean, think about that for a minute. It, it, we, get, we get a little uncomfortable when people attack it because, uh-uh, you know, don't, don't talk about that thing, you know? And I don't know what that is for you, but I do know that's a pretty natural response for us when we begin to have an idol in our life. We don't want anybody to, to, to mess with that, you know? And we find all kinds of ways to justify the mess out of it, don't we? Oh, my goodness. We're so good at it. And, and the crazy thing that I just... God is so good. He is so good. And He just calls us to sell out to Him and, and just watch what I can do. I mean, Elijah had gone through so much. Can you imagine the moment when the eyebrows got burned off? Like, yeah. I told you. I told you, and it wasn't about his, I mean, he just wanted God to get glory. He wanted people to turn back to God because he knew that's what was best for them. And, and I've heard people preach about this passage, and hey, if you pray hard enough, believe hard enough, you know, say it and, it and pray it and claim, I don't know. That's not what this is. 
That's not what this is. This was about Elijah being obedient to what God told him to do and then him giving him all the glory. That's what this is. And we keep seeing this repeated over and over again in the Old Testament. And Jesus does the exact same thing. Jesus, the one who could actually claim it, right? No. Nope. He laid it down, man. All glory to the God. All glory to the Father. So false gods. Um, we worship the thing, same things they did. Sex, prosperity, comfort, control, power. Let me tell you, someone created this really like satanic thing. We were, we were in this. There was all these little demonic toddlers and teenagers running around. And someone makes, I don't know, you probably tubes and there's water going down them. And drowning the whole time. And then your body's all out of whack when you're overweight and trying to slide down a water slide. And I hate them with a passion, but I love my kids. And Elias like, will you ride this water slide with me? I'm like, no. Okay. And uh, Shay filmed me come down one. She ever shows you, I'm going to be really mad. No, I'm just kidding. And, and I told her, I said, it's just my control. It's, it's one of my things. I have to let go of control all the time, you know. And when you step on the water slide, it's over. You have no control. You can't stop. I tried. My elbow, I almost broke my elbow trying to, like, slow myself down. I'm, like, hiking my leg up. I about ripped it off as the slide extended, and I caught my foot on that a little. And I was like, ah! And I have bad knees anyway. And then I busted my elbow trying to slow down. I was going way too fast, probably, like, five miles an hour. I was on the, this is the kiddie slide, by the way. Let me just, this isn't the big adult slide. I mean, this is just the little bitty kid slide. And my, Elias is like, whee, this is fun. I'm like, ah. Wasn't fun. It was terrible. Satan's creations. But control, power, family. We, sometimes we worship our kids, man. I, we put all, all kinds of things in front of God. We're just the same as they were. And, and the thing about the United States, I noticed this early on. When I've traveled to other countries, there's just this spiritual vibe out there that doesn't exist here. And, and it's like we've taken, we don't realize the spiritual ramifications of some of these things. And, and they just kind of become, I, I mean, even like sex, for instance. I know that's a big thing in our culture and premarital sex and the sex industry. And there's just so much going on there. And we just treat it so casually. And it has such a deep spiritual connection that they created gods for it because they got it. We don't. We just, oh, that was just a decision I made. Uh, uh, no, that's not true. That's not biblical. All of this is connected spiritually. All of it, our wealth, our comfort, our control, that is an illusion, whatever, our family, all of it, all of it has spiritual connection because I am called to fully surrender not partly straddling the fence, but fully surrender to God. And an idol is something that has taken on the ultimate worth for you, and we end up defending it and justifying it, and it provides soft, uh, soft, false security. And God's the only thing, man. God is the only thing that's going to truly fulfill you. Um, idols demand sacrifices to keep them happy. Idols demand sacrifices to keep them happy, right? On some level, you got to sell part of yourself to it. And again, we just end up justifying it. And the gospel, man, the gospel overcomes 
idolatry. Some, just some cool things to think about as we wrap up here. Because um, I don't think we always process the gospel. Shay and I said several times, man, some people need Jesus. <laughs> you know, And that's a true statement, but like it's really deep, actually. You know, the world does need Jesus, man. It needs Jesus, but not in some casual. I mean, they need Jesus. The world isn't just broken. It's dead. It's dead. That's what the Bible calls it, dead in sin. When we were created, we were created as one. And then when sin happened, we were one in sin. And now we get to be one in Christ. I know Ben shared with you a couple weeks ago, then there's only two races in God's kingdom. Believers and unbelievers, and that's it. That is it. You don't get to make up a third. That's not biblical. That's not. Get over it. Two. You either believe in God or you don't. You're a part of the kingdom or you're not. That's it. All right? It crosses the world. It crosses nationalities and gender and races and economic, everything. It doesn't matter in God. You're either a believer or you are not. So, how does the gospel help us fight idolatry? Because um, idols make you worship them, and then if you fail, you pay the price. Okay? They make you worship them, and then if you fail, you pay the price. But the gospel says you already failed, but I'm going to be destroyed and pay the price for you. Whew. The world needs to hear that. <laughs> you already failed, right? We were born sinful. We already messed up. And Jesus allowed himself, just like this altar, um, you know, we look at all the power coming from God and the fire, but man, the altar that was destroyed, that's really Jesus. Because that's what happened. He allowed himself to be destroyed and became the sacrifice for us. And God, God is the only one that will satisfy us. And then the awesome thing about God is when we fail, he forgives. He forgives because of his son. And that, my friends, is joy. So crawl run, whatever you got to do away from your idols and to the Lord um, because he's worth it. He is worthy of our worship, of our sacrifice. You know, and, and I just, I come back to that. Elijah made sure it was impossible without God. It was impossible without God. And all of it's impossible without God. You know, the, the, the retired couple that had a baby in their 90s or 100s, whatever they were, Abraham and Sarah, right? They were just chilling on the Cracker Barrel rocking chairs. You're going to have a kid. I'm going to create a nation out of you. What? Impossible. Nope. Red Sea. and I, The list can go on and on and on. But when it comes to Jesus, you know, they impossible. I, they beat him beyond recognition. He shouldn't have lived through that, and he did, and they hung him on a cross, and they didn't kill him. He gave up. You know, we've read that. He gave up. Um, he allowed himself uh, to die. And then just to make sure, they took the spear and they jammed it up under his ribcage and into his heart and all the water and blood spills out. And then, just to really make sure, we're going to hide him behind a tomb and seal it and put guards in front of it. Impossible. Not with our God. Not with our God. But it's to him. It's not to your glory. It's to his. We have to be obedient. Jesus has risen. He is coming back. He is coming back, church. And I know it's discouraging right now, man. If, you, if you're wrapped up in media, and get off Facebook if you need to. Oh, I'm sorry, I said that out loud. I know it's discouraging, but take heart, man, because Jesus has overcome the world, and he is coming back. 
The impossible is possible with our God. You and I, we just get to surrender and follow. Let's pray. God, thank you again for this story. Thank you for all these stories, God, uh, that just continue to point to Jesus. And we're, I'm, I'm just so thankful, Lord, for the journey that we've been on reading your word, God. And I, I pray, Lord, that we are, we are learning things, that we're growing in our faith and our maturity, God, and, and that we, we embrace this mission and this life that you've called us to, Lord, that we don't shy away from it. We don't act in fear, Lord, because we're more than conquerors in you. God, uh, this spirit, Father, um, accomplish what you have for us, God. So help us be attentive to that. God, help us to be aware of any idols that, that we might have in our life that we need to, to get away from, God, that we need uh, to allow you to take out of our life and I pray that we God, and that we walk humbly with you, Lord, and, and that glory goes to you, that, that uh, help change our hearts or credit or anything like that, God. Help change our hearts, Lord, and let us do what we do. Stay in line with the truth of your word. God, help, help, the, help us to not um, be swayed by the culture by the loud voices that are out there, God, but to, but to stay the course, to lead with love, and to be that example. God, and when you call us into the uncomfortable, help us to go. Help us to go and know that you are God, and you are faithful, and you're going to do your part every single time. Help me to walk bold in that. Help us to church. We love you, Lord. Thank you for everything. Thank you for Jesus. Oh, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.